talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Uh, hello and welcome to another Dropped Kickoff podcast. Uh, I'm again your host, Nick Hartman, and I'm joined by myself, my two fellow co-hosts, Scott Morrison style, Nick Hartman and Nick Hartman. <laughs> Nick, how are you? I'm very good, mate. It's uh, Yeah, that, that meme went everywhere, didn't it? Like I saw it everywhere. I think it, I think it got more likes and engagements than the actual Wallaby Squad announcement, which... Uh, which was which is which is interesting to say considering uh, there were some some interesting calls to discuss uh, like bringing Bernie back, um, but I'm here here to talk here to talk uh, Springboks, but also I mean let's just really quickly touch on Argentina. I we have to address the elephant in the room. <laughs> uh, hey, yes, we, before hey, we touch I'm... on Argentina, Nick, we have to introduce Nick. Nick, how you going? I'm I'm doing good. Yeah, it's a it's a new test week, you know. Going to new, relatively new areas in Adelaide, so it should be should be good games with a double header on at Adelaide Oval. I'm looking forward to it, Nick. Thank you. Um, so yes, to move on to Argentina, which will also soon be called Nick as well. Um, <laughs> um, game was pretty crap, wasn't it, Nick? Look, Net- yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, so we we've got a chance. <laughs> this is just. <laughs> Like, I'm not sure if you were trying to continue the bit there. It was just like, you know what? Just, I was asking gonna... Nick because Nick was keen on talking about Argentina. Oh, just like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it, it was it was kind of a, a bit of a Scott Morrison kind of uh, kind of game, wasn't it? It was just shite. That's the truth of it. <laughs> it's a good analogy uh, to, to, to sum up that match. I think, yeah. Like, okay, so people, like some folks have been saying that the Wallabies were shit. I actually do think that the Pumas were really on song. Like, I actually thought they were motivated and they came out and they they clearly, really, the, the checker juice was a solid, they had a solid ingest of checker juice before they went out. Um, but, uh, and clearly they were motivated to get to get the W and, uh, but yeah, just Wallabies are crap. This is like, let, let's just let's just call. I mean, Nathan, Nathan, you probably you probably you know disagree with me on this one. You probably might have more to say, but I just it was the sort of game that you that you wish you didn't get up for. Look, I I, I can't disagree with that. Like, it's it's one of those games where you just kind of you're sitting there covering it. It's five five thirty in the morning. And you just start thinking, Jesus Christ, I could I could be asleep right now. And these guys these guys look asleep at some stages, like. I think we, we, you know, people have kind of want to say, oh, you're making excuses, blah, blah, blah. But, like, there were, you know, a nearly a full 15 of Wallabies out, like, from this team. Most of them who would have been legitimate starters. In saying that, they were they were far from standard for, for a Wallabies team, even if it's a second-rate stream. I think you can – it's not, not an excuse, but I, I think it's – and they're not mutually exclusive as well. Like, it's – sure, there was – you missed Hooper, you missed Cooper, you miss, you know, Parecki, Fingo, all go down within like a week of each other, all while you're overseas. And, you know, that probably had some toll on the players, but it still doesn't give you 
uh, you know, it's it's still not good enough what was put out there in, in San Juan. Like, they lost the collision battle. They lost the aerial battle. Like, the kicking game just, just absolutely tore them apart. Like, it just, it was one of those games you just, it's one of those games I feel like you, you, if all of a sudden we kind of go down a hill, you look back at that game and go, that was the reason why. Like, it, was, it feels like the catalyst for, some, for something either good or bad and kind of depends on how I react now. Because it's it was one of those losses which can just absolutely derail a team. Because it was it it was far from good enough. Like you you don't you don't accept getting beat by thirty by the All Blacks, and but to get it by the Argentina and sure they were good. They were it's one of the better Argentine performances I've seen. But it just wasn't good enough. And I think you, I think Dave Rennie put it best after the game when he was just saying, you know, they go out there for respect, and and on that game they. They didn't earn it. They did. They they took a step back. Um. So I, you know, honestly didn't watch the game. I've seen the highlights. Um. I don't know what Nick's doing. It sounds like he's building a robot, something, moving the desk. <laughs> um. But Nathan, would you say it was kind of like a Checker-ish performance from the Wallabies, ironically against Checker-led Argentina? Just in terms say. of like, just there's no feature to it. There's no structure. It's just why am I here watching this kind of game? I mean, to an extent, like it's just that I won't call it a check point. I just call it like just to call a spade a spade, and it sounds really simple. It's just a really bad performance. Like the definition of of just an off game, where just no matter what happened, it all seemed to just go against the world. Is like when you consider there was, I mean, there was a real there was a stage of that game where we could have been leading when I think I kind of put. Like I, th- I can't remember the one. I think it was he put Pattaya through a gap and then he dives over and scores and it was going to be 15-14. He gets pulled back for a, a weird call on a James Slipper um, clear out that apparently went over the horizontal, which I'm sorry, not apparently, went over the horizontal, but the, if you're penalising those every single time, the game wouldn't start. Like it's, and then, you know, two minutes later, they go down and score and essentially make it a 14 point flip. So, you know, it's, there was stages where we looked, we looked on, but it just, they just found, they just ran away with it. And we just couldn't answer anything that they threw at us. Like it just, the, I think they scored four or five kicks, try some kicks. Like it just, it was one of those just, just all around bad performances. Here's the, here's the question I do want to ask off the back of this. Uh, and, and that is, I mean, I know that we don't want to single out players because everyone was shite. Um, but surely, I mean, we, we, I think the, the the actual new squads, this new squad announcement, it probably speaks for itself. But what do we do now? Where, where to go next with fly half? I mean, James O'Connor did not have a good game um, at all. Do you, yeah. and, and, and now he's out of that Wallaby squad. Is that just the end of the road for him? And... Maybe and maybe this leads into you know the changes for the for for spring for the spring box. But where do, where now for him? What what happens next for him? Well, I, I, he... I guess that's a good question, but we'll get to him later. Just on this game and what's happened. Sorry, just before we move on to Wallaby's changes. Uh, after this game, Matt Taylor's left and Laurie Fisher's come in. Um, I just wanted to know if you got any insight on that, Nathan or or Nick, about these changes. I mean, not in particular. Like, I think Matt Taylor was more. I don't. I don't think it was, this is all of a flash decision where it's just 
they've gone right. You've conceded nearly fifty points. Get out. Like it's obviously it, there's some sort of family reasons that are behind it, you know. And hopefully, whatever gets sorted, we, you know, we wish Matt all the best. I mean, and then so I don't, I don't think it was a reaction to this, and it's not as kind of foreboding as everyone's everyone kind of tried to make it out to be. I mean, I think it's just one of those just bad timing things. As for his replacement, I think Laurie Fisher. I mean, he's just He's an icon of Brumby's rugby. He, he, he's an absolute god and wizard when it comes to that kind of collision and ruck battle. So he just seems like the perfect person to bring him at this stage, just to kind of, just to refine their skills. So that's what uh, um, uh, Jason Ryan. That's who I'm thinking of. They they brought him in as a forwards coach, and he's really seemed to do a difference. I think Laurie Fisher can do a similar thing to this Wallaby side, particularly heading into. You know, tough, tough, tough opposition in the Springboks and All Blacks. Um, yeah, I'm I'm keen to see him in. I think uh, it's been a, it's weird that he hasn't been in there before. I remember back in the Checker era. I think someone just asked him on Twitter, "Hey, you know, why aren't you with Wallaby set up?" And he just said they haven't asked me. Um, so, or maybe it was like, "Would you be keen to be part of it?" Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm keen to see him in. Um, and, look, you know, speaking as a Rotars fan, I'm happy. You know, some people might be like that, uh, what's his name? Um, the Brumbies coach, uh, whatever, I can't remember thinking of his name at the moment. But Dan McKellar. Dan McKellar. And, you know, he had a w- winning formula down at the Brumbies, and Laurie Fisher was a huge part of that. So I'm glad to see them kind of take that step up and see what they can do. Um but yeah, um, so sorry, Nick. To go back to your question about James O'Connor, um, I guess it's back to you, Nathan. I mean, Nick was asked it, and we go back to you, Nick. Uh, but James O'Connor and the fly half situation. What's going on, and what does the future look like? Uh, Bernard Foley's in the squad. Uh, Nola Lucio's in it, but they don't seem to trust him. Um, and Ben Donaldson, the, the Waratahs, I guess. Second choice fly half, first choice fly half, uh, but he was playing a uh, fullback while uh, Tane Edmed, Champagne Tane was fly half for the Waratahs, um, and he played he played fly half for the Australia A, I think for two games. Um, Tane Edmed didn't play so well, but Ben Donaldson came in and I think looked a lot better than Tane in those games. But um, and Reese Hodge, of course, I think are the only fly half options we've got. Um, but yeah, Nathan. Um, what are your thoughts on the fly half? And James O'Connor, sorry, is not in the squad. Um, what's going on? <laughs> so I think going back to starting with James O'Connor, I think that Argentina game was very much, I, I think I, I said it on Twitter as well, it very much seemed like a kind of now or never moment for him. And, you know, reflecting on it, Dave Rennie said, you know, the back line felt clunky. With, and he, James O'Connor's obviously been the man that's kind of, kind of taken being handed that responsibility for it so they've, they've obviously seen that that this world side can't go forward with him at this stage so he'll, he'll go back to clubland and and i guess i find find some form like i wouldn't say you know it's never say never like you know 12 months ago i was saying there was no chance quade cooper was playing and you know he he all of a sudden is our as our first choice 10 when when healthy as for what happens now, I think this is as big a statement as you're going to get that. Again, and touch wood on this before I jinx myself before Thursday, uh, that Noah Lalesio is the guy heading forward. Like Bernard Foley, sure, he's got the experience and 
there'll be that temptation of rushing straight in. But I think this is the stage where you give, you give it to Noah. You know, the reasoning behind him being dropped was that he was too deep for the England series. They they didn't they wanted to play a flatter game, and he, in, according to Rennie, he doesn't have that Bowden Barrett type speed where he can just kind of sit back and watch and wait. So I think he'll take that lesson on and just kind of and and hopefully thrive from that. You know, build a combination with whoever they go with at twelve, whether it's you know the likely Hunter Paisami or Ralakai Fichetti, who I think was out, outside of him, Ikatao and Valentini were the only, not the only three, but the, the main three players who actually had half decent games. So you know, let I think it's now time just to say right. The rest, I'd say, for the rest of the year, this is your spot, Noah. This, you're the ten, no matter what. You know, have Foley come in as a, as experience off the bench if needed, or just as another figure, just to kind of help guide him around the park, or they can, an experienced head he can learn off. But I think this is this is going to be a time where you just trust him and just say, "Yep, yeah, go for it, Noah. This is the, this is your jersey. Do something with it." Yeah. What do you think? My one question is, I mean, I th- I agree with you entirely. I think I am a little concerned by the decision to bring in Foley. Um, you know, I know that we've we did see huge success with going back back to Quaid. Uh, you know, and and clearly he has shown a huge amount of maturity and and growth. You know, during his time away from the Wallaby spotlight, but going back to Birdie, um off the uh you know kind of off the back of that i i question this i'm i'm a little bit worried about the what direction rennie is going here and what message it's sending exactly um we are having a pretty horrific run of injuries right now like uh, as mentioned at the top of the podcast i think a full starting squad is out um probably realistically speaking probably more how many players are, are actually injured? I think there was a there was a graphic going around saying that it literally is an entire starting side is no, gone. So like it, it was for that Argentina game, it was fifteen, but uh, they had Flaufinger playing it, playing scrum half. Like yeah, I've got I've got a let's say I've got a graphic sorted already. There's you can build a full twenty three outside of scrum halves of people who have missed games this year, and it's yeah. it is players that have started you know, multiple games for Australia, you know, 10 plus games for Australia who have missed time. So it kind of, that reflects how bad it's been. It's been six tests this year. Five tests. Yeah. yeah. And so I like, I, so, and, and let's not add to that. I mean, like the, even coaches have had to drop out as well. So clearly, obviously there's just, there's not been a lot of stability in camp, but to part of me was thinking, considering there was a whole game plan around, you know, having Donaldson and, and, you know, Edmed playing in Australia A. And considering, you know, some of those players did actually show a lot of potential at that level, why not bring one of those guys in as a backup? Not necessarily for, like, I think it's still good to have... Well, ben Donaldson, is it? Yeah, but... The... And Reese Hodge, technically. I... Well, well, I personally, I think, like, there was clearly something, there was clear, like, obviously we, we aren't in an ideal situation right now when it comes to it. I, like, you know, if, if we could, we'd have... You know, my thought, like, Hodge, Hodge clearly showed in that first Argentinian game that he can slot into that position. And I think, considering the experience he has, he's a 57, 58-test-capped veteran as well, surely trust Noah to be able to do the job, going off Nathan's point. Um, 
But there also needs to be pressure on him. I don't think it's the right message, sending the right message to the likes of, you know, the upcoming, uh, you know, growth in those in those other 10 positions, like with Donaldson and Edmund, to say, you know what, let's just bring Foley back from overseas. Um, I mean, I, I mean, if Foley puts together a fantastic performance, that's awesome and that's great. I, I kind of disagree that there's no yeah. pressure on but, Lula, like- Lula there's, there's 100% pressure there. And my, the point I kind of want to make with particularly Ben Donaldson and Ed, Ed, Edmund is we kind of, I think we're, we're at the point where it's a classic classic thing we do in Australian rugby is we're trying to push this next generation already. Tane Edmund has played 24 games, 22 for the Waratahs, two for Australia Ray. Mm. Ben Donaldson has played, tw- played, sorry, just over, so he's played 27 games, 25 for the Waratahs, two for Australia Ray. They've still, you know, he's 23, Tane Edmund is 22. Then, mm. and, you know, I, and they did well in Australia, eh? But I don't think they're, their Wolby's ready yet. Yeah, you, but... The, you know, and it's not, like, it's not like Bernard Foley hasn't been playing top-level rugby as well. Like, he took his team in Japan to the semifinals, I believe. Like, he's, do, he's in form. Yeah, and he didn't retire. He just went to Japan. Yeah, so but, he, but, still, the, but the depth is... But we're, our depth has been, has been smashed to hell. Like that's the problem, and that, like, that raises raises another question. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but it's just it raises that. I think it got brought up a couple of a couple of days ago. It's been kind of a Twitter thread. It's been interesting to watch. Is this this whole thing kind of shows that missing generation of well, these fly halves, mm. that gap between your, these twenty two and twenty three year olds and your Foley's and Quades. You know the guys that either didn't get a chance or have either gone overseas or just haven't been haven't taken that, that ten jersey for one reason or another and we're kind of left in this this void where we go with other people that we consider that some consider too old or some consider too young, which is it's just kind of it's all about trying to fast track that development, which we're kind of kind of trying to play catch up here. And I think Noah's probably that guy who's best re- representative of it. We just kind of where people are trying to balance, you know, pr- protecting his future or just Needing him as that first choice option. Yeah, well, that kind of that kind of happens as well. What you're talking about, Nathan, about the, this missing generation is that you had incumbents in, and then you had people coming up who were kind of like, I don't know, with all respect, kind of seemed just okay, like Jake McIntyre and uh, Mac Mason, and who was the 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 fellow playing fly half of the Western Force? Um, uh, I can't remember his name, but the Australian boy. Uh, but they, they were all just kind of, you know, eh, they weren't on the level of Quaid or Foley um, or Matt Tamoa. So maybe is it just bad luck, really? Um, you know, like New Zealand, if Moanga and Bowden Barrett got injured, um, you know, who they who they got play half? Oh, I guess they got McKenzie, but, you know, that's it. They got three really good players and nothing. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, um I don't know if you wanted to repost back to Nathan Nick, but look, look, I, I, on a fundamental level, we, I agree because I don't, I, I don't want. I've been saying up until this point for a while that I don't think Ed Med and and Donaldson are ready either. They do need another, at least another season of Super Rugby, but uh, I, I just worry about. 
because I, I kind of we 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 talked about it last year when when Cooper was brought in that no way is he going to play like he's just going to be there he's going to shadow the squad and yet there he was and it worked brilliantly like it, it led to a fantastic performance and a, a fantastic um, you know run of games that really got people excited about the Wallabies again. Um, will that work again with Foley going like doing that again? I don't know, but I just worry. I worry about considering. I mean, we we talked depth all year we've talked depth all year and suddenly bringing yet another person in from overseas i just i don't know how i sit with that right now that's that's fair i, that's a, I think it's just one of those things i'm again i'm, I'm lightning might strike twice in my comments here but i'm i'm confident with with o'connor being out i'm i feel confident enough to say i i think this is this is the statement statement that Alessio will see the majority of that game time and, you know, Foley will just be there as that other second man or a, a second man at best, if if not just another experienced head you know, or, or just to use that third overseas slot that we have with Ben. And then you can keep Ben Donaldson in there as a tra- training member without, you know, burning a number. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it develops over the next couple of weeks to a month. Uh, yeah, very interesting. Um, but moving on um, to talk about, I guess, selections that we want to see on the weekend. Uh, the team again, as always, will be announced Thursday lunchtime, right, Nathan? Thursday one pm. Um, are there any other changes we want to see? Maybe forwards or the, I guess, in the front row or second row. I mean, and actually, just the pack in general. You know, like. For instance, we're going to see Jed Holloway play again. Do we need him because he's big and strong? And then also, let's talk about the back three. Do they need a change? Um, Nathan, let's start with you. For me, it's it wouldn't it's not dropping anyone from that game in Argentina. It's more of how many players we actually get back. So, I mean, starting that front row, you get Dave Parecki and Flaffing Fangar back. I, you know, those two become your hookers. Um, whether I, I would personally start Parecki, but can completely understand if you want to go um, for Lau. You know, Al, Alan Alatoa comes back in. He starts at tight head. You bring Tupo off the bench just as that kind of combat to the bum squad. Um, who else comes back in? Hunter Paisami comes back in inside centre. You know, as a, as I sort of touched on before, Fiketti was good, but I think Paisami's time to also make that connection with Noah and make his claims. As as for that back three, you know, Andrew Kellaway was electric at fullback when Tom Banks went down in that first test in Perth. So I think he's your, your natural fit to go back there and give him time, you know, mm. p- put Tom right back to the wing and then you can just kind of build that connection there. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think there, I reckon you've got to bring a lot of, of cavalry back um, right now. Uh, just clearly there maybe probably one of the factors that did impact you know that game in Argentina was a need for those leaders to really uh, to bring a whole bunch of those leaders and senior players back um, and I really think that uh, you know having bringing the likes of you know Alatoa back and 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 uh, but also kind of that that young talent that's hit the ground running I think Parecki is a no is a no-brainer to start um, and I'm glad you I'm so glad to see Callaway back as well um, but even then, like, I think there's a ch- an opportunity here for, uh, you know, for an increase in, in competition here in terms of positions. I think 
I have a question right now. I think it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, bringing Tupo off the bench. I'm a little worried that he's not been performing to the level that we usually expect from him. He's looked unfocused. He's yeah, looked, yeah, he has looked really off the, like he's like physically, he looks like he's back, but mentally something is a bit off with Tupo. And I want him to be, fo- to, Maybe it'll take Etzebeth smacking, giving him a good, uh, giving him a good clock to wake him up and realize, oh hey, I've actually got to turn up um, to this match uh, because yeah, he, the the last that the last few games, or particularly particularly last the last game, he has looked really unfocused. And I mean, what did we think of Fa- of uh, Farmasuli uh, and how he went? Did do would do you reckon we bring him back? Interesting call. Like he's, he was. I thought he was solid. He did, didn't do anything wrong. He's, he's. Agreed. As you, you talk about that that competition. Like that's all, all of a sudden, you know, that was a kind of. Tupo needs some he, pressure. He, Tupo needs some pressure to perform. I think. Absolutely, and here's that pressure as well. And then you speak about pressure. You know, then turn to loosehead as well. You get Angus Bell and Scott Sayo back. You know, James Slipper. James Slipper starts because he's captain, but. Who do you go with how those two guys come back? Like that's a that's a tough call. Expect boys to show up is what I want. Um, uh, yeah, just I just want to say that remember there was I don't know if it was a, a bullshit rumor started by some guy on Twitter about Tupo going to the force or something. Um, but I just can't help that you know thinking about Tupo being unfocused and what Nathan said a couple of weeks ago about. Uh, he had a few weeks off and he feels fresh. Um, you know, I guess you can infer that as being away from the Reds, I guess, in this kind of conspiracy I've got going on. I just can't help but, you know, think, you know, he just it's not his same. It's not, he's just an average prop at the moment. He's not that uh, world-conquering Tongan Thor. Um we, we want, th- we, we're getting Thor, uh, we're getting Thor Love and Thunder when we want Thor Ragnarok, is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, no, we, we're getting Liam Hemsworth. We're getting Liam Hemsworth. Hemsworth when we want Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need a we need a proper Thor. Um, or who was that guy? Who was that guy in Point Break? Uh, Keanu Reeves. Patrick? No, Patrick Sweeney. Yeah, Patrick Sweeney. Sweeney. Yeah, we're getting Patrick, him. Patrick Swayze. Yeah, Swayze. Yeah. We're getting Swayze when we need we want Hemsworth. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. Uh, thanks for that, boys. Um, now, just staying on the Wallaby selections. Uh, obviously, with Checker, the the selection chat was off the charts in terms of. I guess people just didn't understand what the hell he was doing. It picked people who were clearly under, underperforming. You know, Falau, not Falau, Foley doing the, the the tactile kicks when clearly you know you had bloody Hodge in the squad. Um, but is the worm turning? I, I'm hearing a few things here and there about Rennie not picking people or, or being a bit odd. Like, he's cut out James O'Connor from the squad after making one or two poor games and, and bringing in Bernard Foley from overseas, as we've discussed, and uh, bringing in Ben Donaldson. Um, and then when we've had such issues at fullback, he hasn't brought in... Um, uh, copyright David Campese, the best Australian fullback at the moment, Jock Campbell, into the squad until now. Um, is there anything odd going on here? Or 
Don't worry about it. Or is it all injuries scrambled everyone's brain? I do think it's a, there's a question around the the like there are some that I think like O'Connor I get because I mean he's been with that squad since the England series and he has had a couple a couple of chances to try and actually make an impact and he has really kind of been looking quite off but there are some that I think are like I completely agree where, where is where like should Jock Campbell have been brought in absolutely I think absolutely um because you know our back three were left wanting and were were left very short, very un, uh, uh, you know second best in that Argentinian game. Um, maybe it's a case that the injuries have just hit us so much that maybe bringing in players from overseas uh, and having to give them a turnaround of a week is just a, a, a bridge too far. Um, but I would rather. But considering but the selections, how selections, selections are the selections weird, or they're understandable, or are they just kind of? I consider everyone's I consider, a bit different. Yeah, I consider that putting people. I consider putting players in their correct positions over what we what we we were trialing just then. So selections have to make sense. So Tom that. Wright no longer at fullback. No, well, he never played Tom. Like, did he? He did. He never ever played fullback for the Brumbies. No, he, was, played, yeah, he, he played, played fly half for Manly. He played Brumbies this year. He played for Brumbies this year at fullback. No. Did he? I thought because I thought the whole I thought Banks was in there the whole time. And then Banks got injured. Uh, Banks got injured and sent off during that game of the force. And then Tom Wright played fullback for him. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but, so, and, for thirty minutes or whatever. For thirty he, minutes, so therefore he's a he's a yeah nah. He played two games from at fullback. Yeah, but two games. Here's the thing, and here's the Tom Wright chat. Like Tom, sorry, one sorry, let me I'm bringing it up as well. Tom, yeah, Tom, he ended up playing two games from at fullback. Tom Tom Banks at fullback as well. At, sorry, at you know, that second test against England was close to man of the match, in my opinion. He was he was incredible, and against England, he was one of our better players. On yeah, the I, I agree. I agree. Like it's not. It wasn't that much of a rash decision to play him at fullback. Like he and he wasn't that bad in the first test playing fullback as well. Like I think we. I think when it comes to this fullback chat, we we panicked. Like we saw he had he had a horrible game against Argentina, and he'll probably admit that himself. But again, he was still. I was still one of the best players against England. Like it was. It was a justified decision. You know, Jock Campbell was in the squad for Argentina, and you know. You can make the we can absolutely make the argument that he probably probably should have been used over in with hindsight, but like you know, he's he ultimately he was still filling in at fullback with Banks out and Callaway as the natural second choice. Like I think it was one of those things, you know, it was injury dependent, and if you know if Callaway doesn't do his hamstring, he was probably back there at fullback anyway. So like I I don't think it's like there is. Certain selections that will we'll naturally will hundred percent question. I think the more the fullback for me isn't that much of a concern. It, it was more not giving Noah a chance against Argentina when he's being fed to the wolves against England, New Zealand, and France this whole time. But I think that just that just naturally comes with footy chat. Like it's just it's one of those things. Whenever going to get a side which everyone agrees with. So like I think I think it's just one of those things that we. Can, you know, it's not worth panicking about at this stage. Good, good point, well made, Nathan. Uh, but let's move on now to the opponents on the weekend, uh, the Springboks. Um, so I've got to say, I watched the uh, them play against the All Blacks. It was an amazing game. 
Um, I don't think they played too poorly, but somehow they lost. But I guess the defining um, part of the Springboks game, like the biggest thing really is this bomb squad. I'm not really sure why they do it. If you don't know what the bomb squad is, it's they have Malcolm Marks, um, Franz Malherber, um, Nathan, you might have to help me out here. The uh, other... I want to see how you get, your, get yourself uh, out. Kitchoff, Kitchoff, Koff, Quagga Smith. Elton as well. Elton Yanti's on the bench to try and close the game out. Yeah, but is he really part of the bomb squad, but? He's a... Fin- he's a he, I, I think the bomb squad is kind of just there. Is their word for the finishers, what we call finishers. Right? Oh, I, oh, I thought it was just these replacement forwards. Um, I think I think it, it mainly is, but I I would naturally I would all include... world class. Hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so these guys come on. Oh, Franz Malherb is starting on the weekend. Um, so these guys, so they play this weird game where, where they invert it and they come on at uh, instead of the 60th minute odd, they come in 30 minutes in. Um, but watching the game and they they're all well, as the forwards are all six foot, uh, 120 kilo, you know. Uh, Afrikaners and it's scary. Um, are we scared? And are we scared of the bomb squad, Nathan? I am. Yeah, like I'm not. Like it's it's one of those things. Like I don't know. I don't know why, but they don't seem to have that same effect on on me. And it seems like the Wallabies as well, right, as compared to New Zealand. Like they, I was doing research in the kind of build up to this test. You realize they haven't won Australia since 2013. Like we've gone wow. through, we've gone through three or four coaches in that time. They still, they still like when they come oh. down to Australia, they just can't find a way to get it done. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's a tactical thing or it's just a kind of mindset thing. But you know, it's they're going to be finishing strong with those guys, and you know that for a fact. Yeah, I think that, yeah. I think that 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 will help the mindset because we have start, we start terribly usually. So I think it's having that kind of that natural reminder in your head that oh these guys are coming on we've got to start strong could actually fall into the world into the world game plan perfectly because like they've been a team that have really been kind of second half heroes you know you look at that that first test against England to to a lesser extent the second test as well or even the Argentina test as well that kind of that twenty minute period after the break like. This team is this team it, when it wins games gets it done the second half. So, you know, a, a bomb squad kind of or like as they like to call it or reserves, whatever you finishes, whatever you language you want to use, they would have bring on. Like that's when the Wallabies have been the most potent. So it's kind of you, sure it's going to try and neutralize that effect, but I think it just kind of it re, it'll kind of reinforce the importance of starting strong, and that's what that's what you'll hopefully see out of this Wallaby side. Maybe they've stuffed up and they should put the bomb squad on first to uh, make most of the crap start the Wallabies do. Um, I should be rugby coach. Nick, um, what do you think? I think that... Like, are look, you scared? Are you scared? What do you think of the bomb squad? I do like the bomb squad. It's a, I love that they've just, <laughs> just given themselves a name. It's... <laughs> Like, I always find it funny if that, that uh, it always does make me laugh when, like, you know, you sometimes, like, because the Beast, for example, he earned his nickname. People, like, it, it, like, these guys just got suddenly decided, yeah, we're going to call ourselves the Bomb Squad. But I digress. I think it's like there is, it, it's a really good South African side. Let's not 
let's not beat around the bush here. Um, yes, they were found out by the Wallabies last year, um, but there is a lot of cohesion that's that's really building in this side, and I think um, you know this past fortnight against the All Blacks, it's clear that they are heading in a in a new direction or or a stronger direction um, with that cohesion kind of breaking away from Rassi Ball that they've done previously. Um, the question is. Will they? Because I think they were really kind of uh, found out by the Wallabies due to just the Wallabies being able to pick the holes in their in in the Springbok defence. Um, the kind of trying to get physically up in their faces just didn't work. So if they've sorted those issues out, then I reckon the Wallabies will have a much harder time, uh, harder time, you know, dealing with stuff, dealing with with the you know with the stuff in front of them than than previously. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we all know how the uh, Springboks going to play. They always play the same way. I remember actually, if you take it to sevens, I remember that the Gringold did an interview with Tim Walsh years and years ago, like, you know, Matt and, and Reg and Hugh and all that. And uh, Tim Walsh was like, look, we know what the Springboks are going to do. They're going to kick off to the right. And, uh, you know, every kickoff. And you look, and, and still to this say, you look at every kickoff and they kick off to the right. And they know what they're going to do, and everyone knows what they're going to do, but they kind of just alpha you uh, and expect to to arm wrestle you when it comes to it. Um, so it'd be interesting with the, you know what they're going to do, they're going to, you know, kick contestable kicks. Um, so hopefully we're up for it. Um, um, I guess another kind of spring box news, I'm, I'm just going to the squad. Um, it's Oh, it's just—it's hard to pick holes. I mean, there's a hole at hooker. Their starting hooker's got three caps. Um, they're they're missing, I think, two of their the wingers. Um, I guess Nathan, you mentioned before, Elton Yanchi's. I don't think he's that good at international level. Killed it, he's, Lions. He's, he's clutch. He's he's just he's this clutch player that you don't want. Like put it this way, I don't. If we're the game's in the balance with you know a penalty goal within it. And they bring on, they bring him on. Like you, you start getting worried about any penalty close to the fifty meter mark. Like he's just, he's, he's one of those clutch players in my eyes. But uh, so, would you rather have Elton or Hodge on the bench, or Elton and Foley, or Foley on the bench? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh. See, see, I, I just think it's that good, Nick. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, that could. Um, but yeah, huge squad. Fifth de Klerk is back. Um, he got knocked out um, in the first test, second test, I can't remember. First test in the first, first like, yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah, and got knocked out good. Like, he was out cold. Um, but yeah, so the game will be on, I think, afternoon on Saturday, which will be sick. Um, oh, oh, crap. 3, 3.30 kickoff. Like three thirty kickoff Sydney time, like that's. Oh yeah, I'll be back. Perfect. I'll be back. Yeah, I won't be in. The, I'm flying back from Brisbane. Um, cool. That's I'll exciting. be. I'll be. I'll be at Adelaide Oval, kind of sinking it all in. Hopefully, it's a, hopefully it's a decent crowd. Like, should we ask? Yeah, about, yeah. should we ask about what's going on? Like, because I'll be. Have has the how's the has there been a lot of promo and stuff going on there? Because I think. Yeah, people, let's touch on that. Yeah, yeah, let's touch on that, Nathan. You work for a way. Tell, tell us. <laughs> what's going on with the promotion? 
don't ask me. I'm just a writer. That's my that's okay, my natural Nick. response. Oh, wait, no, Nick, um, you also work for RA. Okay, I'll ask myself. Um, uh, look, I there's like 20 guys injured. I don't know why we can't just get them out to Adelaide. Um, or even, you know, the people that, I guess, in the squad that um, Rennie knows won't be picked. Uh, I don't know why we just can't get him down. I don't even know why Rugby Australia isn't throwing money at the Badger and getting him out and about in Adelaide um, to to amp up the game. I think when Rugby's just really on the outer, um, especially with some franchise or oh, teams in Australia, super teams, I just think their marketing is so kind of boring. Um well, no, hang on. But what I mean, I, sorry, I'm just hang on. Just let me just speak that. What I mean by that is, I think they they still. I find it boring. I find it boring. My opinion, my personal opinion, um, and I don't think they still think that they're the premium product. Like they're the Land Rover, they're the Volvo that everyone wants to buy, um, and that's not the case. Um, and I think especially, I think we all went to, we've been to, uh, what's his name, Leichhardt Oval this year to see the Waratahs play, and it was such a better experience. And it's hard to separate that from the fact that they stripped it back to the basics. So, go, you both spoke up. Well, I think very, you're sounding a bit negative about, about this, all is, this is like proper old man yells at cloud areas right here. Yeah, I know. That like, was like, that That was, that was like... Uh, what part? What neg- part? What part? Like the... Uh, <laughs> The uh, the kind of like oh it's a uh, rugby's on the outer it's all of that stuff no, that reminds no, me is. of uh, it reminds I mean, us of the uh, negative reviews uh, we got uh, last Eddie year. Eddie Jones is literally an old man, but he was saying the same thing. Yeah, because it's it's Eddie Jones. Like his his whole stick is I'm going to antagonize you until you respond. Like okay, he well, he's the definition of old man yells at clouds. It's just okay. old man yells at good Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay, okay, all right, we'll flip this, this is kind of factual. If it was during the Wallabies' heyday, early 2000s, do you think that's, a, and it's the same Adelaide Oval, but it's just that vibe of the time, do you think, I mean, because the Adelaide Oval's still not sold out, right? So do you think it would sell out faster? Yeah. Probably. Like, yeah. I don't know, I mean, it's, like it's, people... one of, it's one of those things, like, yeah, to, to answer kind of a couple of those questions you had before, like, you're not going to, it's, all comes down to, and there's been some conversation around, you know, the Wellbies basing themselves up in Queensland, but you can't re- you can't really send out those send out those injured guys or those guys not selected because all of a sudden you're just giving away what your team is. And like once they once they get into Adelaide Thursday, like they'll they'll do the round. So like they'll do they'll they'll I'm, I'm kind of don't don't actually know, but I'm expecting like similar to what I've seen in Perth, like they'll do proper fan fan events and meetups and kind of spread the word there. And in terms of marketing in Adelaide, like we're we're three three guys in Sydney. Like I'm not sure, you know, we're not exactly the target market of buying tickets around Adelaide. So I'm not so there's probably probably more activations going on around there. But I don't know. I think it's one of those things like it it's naturally always gonna be a risk when you when you go into an area which is not a kind of a rugby stronghold, but you you kind of reflecting on it and you know in hindsight before these decisions all these decisions were made you would have liked them to even if it's just for this one off to be in market a little earlier than Thursday evening but I think it's one it's just one of those things like it's 
you know, you, I don't think there's this perception that this, it's still a premium premium market and, you know, we've got to attract the highest of highest crowds. It's just, it's one of those things. It's, you know, an area which has, has had no rugby love for 20 years. Like the only two games it's had before is Namibia and Pacific Islands. So there's just, it's, it's one of those areas where it just has little interest. So it's, this is, this is the risk you can potentially run with, with having events in areas which aren't, aren't traditional strong rugby crowds. My mate who's from Adelaide, who works in PR uh, and loves the Crows, he's been to one rugby game and it was a Namibia game. So, so Nick, one from two. <laughs> yeah. Nick, do you have anything to add? Let's. I reckon. Let's throw this out to any any folks in Adelaide listening. How's are we? Are we just being Sydney centric and grouchy old, grouchy old men? Um, has the actual... I really reject that it's grouchy. I don't think it's grouchy at all. This is me talking from a marketing perspective. Which is I'm leaning into the stereotype, man. I'm leaning into nah, the stereotype. Nah, 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 no, you got to lean into me in. Don't box me in, baby. I'm not boxing you in, darling. I'm just saying that, like, uh, let's let's let I'll let's. I'm just being. (laughs) Mom, dad, Dad, stop fighting. (laughs) But yeah, if it is actually, has it is 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 it all just talk, or is there, or is the is the hype actually real in Adelaide? Like, if there is if there is people in Adelaide listening, let us know. I actually kind of am curious now. Uh, but yeah, to kind of like clear it up, I, I meant all the kind of stuff. I don't mean this exact game, but I just meant generally. Uh, I love that this is. I love that this is like been the last ten minutes of us trying to excuse. I, well, we all kind of work in this space, so we're so passionate about it. <laughs> um, I think it's good. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, so yeah, Springboks. Yeah, stuff. Um, uh, okay, question number four, or section number four. Um, Roos. Uh, so they're playing the um, opener. The week, uh, game on the weekend will be a double header. They're playing the All Blacks or the Black Ferns again, New Zealand. They got trounced. Um, I don't have the score right in front of me. Oh, 52 to 5 um, last week. They've, uh, if memory serves correctly, they lost to the USA and Canada in the Pacific Cup and New Zealand in the Pacific Cup, although when they lost to New Zealand and that was a lot tighter. Um, I'm not sure who wants to take this one first, but I don't know. Should be Oh, and the Women's World Cup is also later this year. Um, should we be worried, Nathan? Nicholas? Um. Like it was, it was one of those real disappointing performances last week. Like in in Christchurch, like I mean, it's always a tough place to go to try and win, but they they just looked a class below New Zealand, which you know was a real shame given how well they did in that pack four two months ago. Like they just they just got dominated from pillar to post, and you know they it's it's one of those things that they've come out and said like you know realistically the goal is quarterfinals when it comes to World Cup and. You know, a Black Ferns team, which is in red-hot form, that's, you know, world number two behind England, they're, they're realistically not going to comp- not aiming to try and compete with those guys. They're trying to use this as kind of a performance marker for how they're going to go heading into this World Cup, but they need they need a, a much better bounce back this week in Adelaide. Like, they've got they've got the talent to do it. Like, they, you know, when they had the ball, you, your likes of your Avani, your Wongs, and Mahali Murphys were strong, you know, had sold impact off the bench through your Piper Ducks and Emily Robinsons, these type of players. But you, they just need to put an 80-minute performance together and they need a 
kind of weather weather the storm because the Kiwis there was just there was two ten minute periods where the Kiwis just went all right try get the ball back make a break try get the ball back make a break try and just they ran up six tries in those in those little kind of two ten minute blocks and the game was over like it was they just they had a complete flip of form this week and you know hopefully returning to to Australia can kind of achieve that. I am a little worried about the Wallaroos right now. I think because, uh, I mean, it's uh, ever since they, they grabbed their first win against the Fijian women's team um, at the start of the year. And it's and even though they have been up against some really strong teams in the from the women's side of things, like, you know, they've played New Zealand and they've played, uh, um, you know, the USA and Canada and, and even got surprised by Japan. Like, there are... I, I, we... I think when we talked about this, you know, this Pacific, the Pacific Four series and the women's internationals, we were hoping that they would grab a few more wins. So I do hope that they can at least produce an improved performance here because, yeah, something was quite off last week. Um, and it's a, it's a shame because I really hope people actually still keep the faith with this side because the, to, to see our women's team just get more games has just already been just a massive win. So, you know, hopefully people can, can see that, that there's such potential in this squad and, you know, persist, maintain, uh, maintain the support because the wins will come because that, that's... Uh, and I hope people keep the faith. Um, so, Nick, quick question to you before we move on to talking about the sevens. Uh, what do you think of, hey, you know, if performances continue for the Wallaroos, um, you've got a sevens team that is pretty bloody good um do you think uh you know you know what do you, what do you think of like you know what if you brought in a couple of the sevens players into the Wallery squad well i mean obviously it's a it's one style of game to another uh it would i think the the transition from the sevens game over to the 15s game would uh be a be a big one or you know it would it would require a different change in strategy and tactics but i mean like you know, we've seen so many players who've who've performed well at the sevens level come over and do just as well at the fifteen uh, a side game. Um, and you know, if the if once the uh, the seven series comes to an end, I think there's only one there's only one go role left after this one, which we'll get onto in a sec. But I mean, why not? I mean, if you're gonna head if you're gonna head over to the World Cup and uh, it's clear that the girls need uh, need some rockets shot up them. Um, why not bring some of the sevens girls in? I mean, have any of the seven Nathan uh, ask question on this? Have have any of those the sevens girls and any of the sevens squad uh, you know played for done ever had picked up any caps for the Wallaroos or is it just sevens at the moment? Well, I mean, the main one who will be looking who has picked up caps in the past and will most likely come back into the squad for the World Cup is Ashani Williams. I know there was there's been reports that she's she wants to do. So you've got the Sevens World Cup in September and then you have the following month being New Zealand, the New Zealand World Cup. There is talk that she wants to go and play 15s for that. You have um, a young gun of the Sevens side in, in Biana Toretto who's in the Wallaroo squad and is, is a likely, well, not likely, but is a kind of a key person they can bring in just for that X factor on, on the wing or even potentially playing the outside centre if, if Georgia Fredericks is out with I think she's struggling with a foot injury from memory. So, like, there are – I think there, there has been kind of rumours one or two more sevens players might make the jump. But I think I think it's one of those things – It's there are differences within the game and you kind of – to, to make it work properly, you, you need to make it 
like like what New Zealand are doing now. Like they've got Ruby Ruby Tui's played the entire year in 15s. Exactly what similar to what Shannon Parry's done. And then they've been able to kind of supplement them with your Tyler Nathan Wongs, Teresa Fitzpatrick, these these players who have made that jump before in the past. So by the time you get to a World Cup, it's more seamless. But you know, put it this way, I wouldn't be surprised if there was more sevens players that make the leap, but I think it's going to be very much a wait and see process until we get past this Sevens World Cup and this test, this last day Rally Cup test. Um, yeah, awesome. So speaking about Sevens, uh, Nathan, um, tell us, tell yeah. us what's going on. LA, LA Sevens this week. So this, in a really interesting point, so it's final, final for those unaware, it's the final World Series event for the men's. Um, Australia, in a in a weird sense, so they're two points behind South Africa. However, in the weird way that you know the sevens have done the the points on that because of COVID, they actually would they actually have more points than the South Africans. It's just you know, they only take the best seven out of nine results. So you currently they're currently sitting like two points uh, back. HSC, basically the exact same thing, maybe slightly higher marks than that, but yeah. <laughs> so basically. Basically, what has to happen to, as they go to LA, they need essentially to finish third or higher to to get a essentially to put themselves in title contention. So the way I say it, if I can just bring my little stat sheet up here. So if they finish, if they finish third, and South Africa finish no better than seventh. Second, South Africa finish no better than fifth, and third, if they win the title, and South Africa finish no better than fourth then these Australians will win the title, which will be an incredible achievement given how far that program's come in just, like, in just, what, nine months? Like, they've got, they've still only got seven full-time, seven or eight full-time members. You're, you're relying on part-time guys coming in, you know. For this this tournament, you have Billy Meeks coming from the Guillotinis and James Turner from the Waratahs. Like, it's still, a, still very much, a, you know, a large part of that squad is part-time, so... If they can get the job done in LA, and I mean, when you look at their pool, like they, Argentina's the the main threat. They're they're third, but we've proven we can we've beaten them in the past. And when you look at South Africa, they've got New Zealand, I believe New Zealand, Canada, and USA from memory. Like that's not going to be an easy pool. So all of a sudden, if you if they can kind of get the job done against against Argentina, you know. You, you only have Spain and Japan as your other two pools, like right? two teams in that pool. Like they're winnable games. You know, South Africa maybe drop a game to New Zealand, who are in red hot, red hot form and probably looking to avenge the Com games. And they're kind of disappointing exit there. Like all of a sudden, you could legitimately just find yourself backing up the efforts from London, and you know, luck goes your way. Potentially, be I believe the first time they've won a World Series and one of the few times you, you'll have both titles on Australian soil. So, like, it's a really exciting exciting period and just kind of adds to an exciting weekend of rugby just to keep aware of. That's crazy. I'm, I'm actually looking at it now. Uh, New Zealand's pool is really tough. New Zealand, RSA, RSA, South Africa, USA, Canada. That's yeah. incredibly tough. New, uh, New, Zealand, New Zealand can't win from their position. So if we, it's going to be one of the rare times we're actually going for New Zealand. So we it's should be... We should also say that New Zealand missed the first four legs. So this will be the ninth leg, obviously, seven out of nine results. But they missed the first four because I think of COVID restrictions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nah, yeah, 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 y
it's a really it's a really interesting period just to keep a work keep an eye on see if they can get the job done yeah totally that's that's sick um and hopefully no one else has season season ending knee injuries playing for the australian seven team uh crabby um anyway moving on um come to the end of the pod uh i know nick this is your favorite time it's going to do predictions I love predictions, my man. We're going to do predictions. But you know what? Let's keep best to last. And let's start with New Zealand and Argentina. In New Zealand. In New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And Nouvelle, I don't know what it is. That fucking, whatever. New Zealand and Argentina. What do, you, what do you reckon? Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? And by how much? Well, I think it's fair to say, uh, I mean... This is a weird one because as much as I do think that, you know, most people would say, hey, I reckon New Zealand's going to take this one home. Argentina's high on checker juice right now. So it would be like they are clearly heading in a solid upward trajectory right now. Um, And it would be the question really comes down to will the inclusion of Joe Schmidt really give the All Blacks uh, attack the dimension it needs to basically just outscore the Pumas and just, you know, hit them with 30 million, hit them with 45 million points and then the result will be something like the Argentinian, uh, the first Ireland match where they made just one change in attack and won 45 to 10 or whatever it was. Uh, I think it's still going to be New Zealand. Um, if Argentina pull it off, though, just fuck, I'll be pissed. I'll be so pissed because... Of course, like we had Checker for five years, he couldn't win in New- on New Zealand soil, and yeah. all he needed and all he needed was one match with Argentina. <laughs> Just God yeah. dang it! <laughs> so, so what what percentage chance are you given Argentina out of a hundred? Obviously, oh, like seventy five percent chance for New Zealand to win twenty five for Argentina. I reckon it's New Zealand are going to win by twenty plus. Okay, Nathan. Yeah, feeling similar vibe, maybe. Like slightly less, all backs by fifteen. Like well, Argentina looked good, but you know, I think this is kind of. I think that win in South Africa might just be the, the all of a sudden kick up the um, kick up the ass the all backs need just to kind of get into gear and all of a sudden remind people how good they are. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I think um, maybe Joe Schmidt. Obviously, um, the. Joe Schmidt was the kind of coach of the All Blacks and their first uh, first and only, well, before last weekend, their first and only win when I think Ian Foster was isolating. Um, so, but I just think, you know, that the dude's world class. This is an attack coach. It's, uh, I guess it's like having Eddie Jones as your coach and Michael Checker as your attack coach. Like, it's just crazy. Um, so, yeah, I just, I can't. I think you're right, Nathan. Uh, going back to All Blacks being All Blacks. Um, and actually, before you move on to, of course, most important prediction, um, on the weekend, uh, the All Blacks called a press conference. Um, or was it the weekend before? The weekend before. And to talk, obviously, about Ian Foster, and then they um, called it off. And Did they call it off, or are they just like, oh, yeah, relationship's but- good? Yeah, that's no. They didn't call it up. They just went, you know. The news is we have no news. We'll make, we'll make a call in a couple of days. <laughs> every every journalist was there was just like, wait, what? 
you've, um, you've dragged us <laughs> dragged us to work on a Sunday, and all you've said is so about this news. We don't have any. <laughs> Sounds like they're just trolling the media now, like the, because the media might have given the. They might, they might have been. The NZRU might have been pissed that the media is basically kind of turned on the team so much, and they just did a, did it as a fuck you. Uh, that's so funny. Um, I think everyone kind of remembers. Uh, to give to those people who aren't in the media game uh, or marketing game or whatever, um, you can probably recall when there was a press conference called for Ewan McKenzie, um, and it was at a pretty random time. I think it was after a game on a Sunday as well, and you all kind of know the only reason they call on that at such a weird time is because someone's going to get sacked. So very, very odd, uh, very odd behavior. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, so, so, so the classic, there's a classic Czech one in that that's been told by a couple of journalists um, after, was after that quarterfinals. It's one that's not talked about that often, but in sort of public circles, but after that quarterfinal defeat, they apparently like that press conference where Czech went, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to step down. It was when like a whole bunch of traveling Australian genos were like, apparently it was like it was a decent trip to get back from the hotel to the place. So that you know these genos were three quarters of the way back and then get the message going through, being like, "Hey, yeah, Michael Cherry just wants to have a press conference just to talk about talk about something." And everyone's just gone, "You've got to be kidding me!" <laughs> so it sounds like like classic check attack tactics and that sort of side, just to kind of just mess with the media just a little bit. Those poor journos, all expenses you know paid trip to Japan, have to travel back from the hotel to go to the stadium. Those poor journos. That's a real <laughs> crime that's no, happened here. No one thinks about our, our rights. You know, you yes. know, we have to we toil array, you know, sometimes making up stories just to just to sell a couple of clicks and you know, we get yeah. treated badly. Like I don't understand why. <laughs> yeah. Put poor Natho, like he's gotta hop on a on a on a plane, go to yeah. Adelaide Oval. Like, not have to pay for it. Not know, have to whatever. pay for it. Oh, I'm just like, fuck. Guys, me. Life's hard, man. Like, yeah. I, I, I appreciate the, thought, the kind of to, thoughts and sentiments. To, it, it's nice to know that you're getting a nice trip to Adelaide, um, which kind of means that we're on the same kind of level now because I sometimes get trips to Adelaide. So, um, uh, Glad to see you progressing in life. Anyway, uh, okay, so... I've, I've moved up from Coffee Boy. That's it. <laughs> You've moved up... Uh, hang on, should we also just shout out Hoss's uh, new phrasing? The, what you're, You used to be the parking the parking meter, the parking meter boy. And he's got a new name so, for you so now. Hoss it was to Friday Chad. Rugby News on Green and Gold Rugby, and for some... Re- uh, and uh, in the news, it, the uh, rewriting what other people have written. And so, obviously, a lot of what they rewrite is Nathan's got it. I've got it here. Um, Nathan's already written four articles this week, for example, and it's only Wednesday. Um, so Hoss has always given Nathan a bit of crap. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so he's got, a, he's got Nick, an upgrade. Sorry, he's, he's got an upgrade. He used to be called car park attendee. Courtesy of Hoss. <laughs> now he's been turned to former gagger legend turned RA latte loving leather patch, silver, t- silver tail, Nathan Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> I will take that 100%. <laughs> oh, that is so good. Uh, anyway, let's wrap this part up. Um, predictions for this weekend. Uh, Australia versus <laughs> Springboks, obviously. Um, I'll go first. Um, I reckon the Springboks will win by 
10. Whoa. Whoa, jeez. That's a tough one. I don't know. Like, I need to see this. It's it's annoying that we're recording this on a Tuesday and no longer on a Thursday mm. because uh, it'd be curious. I don't know. Like, fuck. I think that, I think it's a part of me would like to see just just going on previous records and the fact that we're playing them two games in a row i can expect the boys will be up to t- to turn the uh, to turn this around and grab a w but i mean we've only won two games this year so far and you know i would say that i think the springboks are probably comparable to to eddie jones's england side yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Springboks, but not by ten. I reckon by less than a converted try. It's gonna be a close one. Um, Nathan, Jeez, am I the only one going the world again? Jeez, yeah, um, <laughs> amateur. I get. I I can't. I agree with that sentiment that they're on a similar level to what the English and Eddie Jones are at. I just think I just think it's gonna go a similar similar sort of track to the first test in Perth. Like, I kind of. Don't don't underestimate how much getting you know half a dozen half a dozen experienced heads into this Wobbly side will do to this do to this team. And you know, as I said at the start, I think this is a real, real either breaking or making moment for the Wallabies. And you know, I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna take the making side. I think I think there's enough quality in this team to really test the Springboks. And I, I think the game style we play matches up nicely, nicely enough to get the job done. Just so I mean. Only talking, say a five five point win, but I think the Wallabies have enough to get it done. Right, well, interesting spread of opinions, and I guess, well, listeners, uh, Nathan's the most knowledgeable of all of us, so maybe go with him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, oh, interesting, interesting spread. Um, also, um, also, just on that, the double header. Still yeah. Black fans are going to be too good. That, oh, yes. That'll get it done by 15. Ooh, 15. Maybe, I reckon, 30. Nah, nah. I, I reckon leaning to more, more yeah. towards 15. Nah, 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 nah. No, okay. no. Okay, so you boys on and off air know my opinions of the uh, South African starting hooker with three caps. Let's play Price is Right game. When will Michael Marks come on? I'm going to say... Michael Marks or Malcolm Marks? <laughs> Michael Marks. It's so much, combination, it's so much more combination of, it's called Michael Marks. Uh, Malcolm Marks. Combination of, it's Malcolm Marks and Michael Marks coming on. Like He's just the, he's the breakdown killer. He's the breakdown killer. That's what we call him. Michael Marks, official. Uh, uh, <laughs> when do you reckon he'll come on? Um, I'm going to say 34 minutes. T- to be honest, I reckon... Uh, I'm surprised that he's not starting... So, uh, yeah, I reckon I reckon in the last five minutes of the second half, of the first half, rather, more like uh, like he'll come in in the 38th minute, the Wallabies are up, you know, 10-3, he'll steal three, he'll steal three rucks, they'll kick three, two, two, they'll kick two, uh, two, three pointers and suddenly it'll be 10-9 at halftime. Oh. Well, playing practice right rules, by the way, so there's right, only I'll a four-minute gap. I'll take 38 in one minute. Nah, um... I'll... Actually, you know what? Screw you, screw you guys. You're all in the first half. I'm going to go like the 45th minute. So okay. Like second half. I was, I was going to make my my actual prediction as half was it's going to go the even 40. So I'm going to stick with that. Go <laughs> oh, the 40. okay. It comes comes on at half time. 
So, so what's the stakes? If we get it, when we talk on the podcast next week, what's the stakes? Okay, uh, so I just did uh, a wine education course, and as part of it, to educate yourselves about the tastes of wine, had to have a raw lemon, had to have like a sugary drink. Um, but the worst one was you had to brew a very strong tea, like with three or four bags in it, and then put it in the fridge for a couple of hours to cool it down. And that was fucking horrible. So I think <laughs> you've got to have a cold tea that was hot brewed. I don't even drink tea as it is. This is this is BS. <laughs> oh, okay. I, well, then you gotta eat like a no, lemon. no. He's a latte I'll, lover. He's I'll, I'll have cold latte. Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm not a coffee or tea person, so I'll just bite into the lemon. How about that? How do you do so much work with that drinking coffee? You were free. I'm, I'm a psychopath. You're, like, you're the Michael path. Hooper of journalists. That's the nicest thing you ever said to me. That's, uh, I'm God, full of like, nice that's things. That's the hugest compliment ever. You, you'd never spoken like that to me, Hartman. Oh, I, I said you're the Jesse. <laughs> I said you're the Jesse Mog of content creators. <laughs> to be fair, that's a, that's a higher honour. Like we know, we know how Nick feels about Jesse Mog. Yeah. Oh, never makes yeah. this, never, never ever make make it to higher honours. But just so much. <laughs> uh, and, and Nick, you said to me once that uh, my um, oh, I forgot his name. Who's that? Who's that dude who kicked the ball into the other guy's ass? Oh God! It's like speaking. Do you know what? For shits and gigs, I'm gonna change our. Uh, I'm gonna change our <laughs> our icon. Our like we we we're due for a change. Eddie, jo- we need to change Eddie Jones. So I'm gonna for the next episode, I'm gonna change it to the guy kicking the ball into the ass. But yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> that's uh, that's our friendship. That's our friendship. Someone yeah. kicking someone kicking a ball into someone else's ass. Yeah, yeah. I'm clear. I'm um I'm. But but who is who? Oh, we alternate. We alternate. So the first time, the first time. Okay, so for context, and it's not as homoerotic as it sounds. No, it isn't. The first time we ever met um, was the was the grand final, the Shoot Shield grand final, when I think it was like 2016 when Norths won it, and I was absolutely shit faced. Like I was absolutely hammered, and I get down to uh, the Rag and Famish, um, and to watch the Wallabies game. And this was the game where the Wallabies nearly beat the All Blacks in uh, in Dunedin. And Mr. Hartman uh, re- recognized me and decided to mess with me and be like, oh, are you the guy that writes for Green and Gold Rugby? You're famous, bro. <laughs> Just decided to mess with me. And I was like, how the hell do you know who I am? And for a brief moment, I was like, have I made it? Am I famous now? Is this what fame looks like? And then I just realized it was Nick Hartman messing with me. It was him kicking the ball into me. And that's how it's been ever since. <laughs> Um, yeah, he, uh, he really did. Uh, yeah, you really were flattered. Yeah, I was pretty gone. It was like that. The bar was it was a it was an open bar. The, 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 it was an open bar that afternoon at the Shoot Shield, and it wasn't like I don't think it mattered that you were intoxicated. <laughs> Do you think it just my ego was? Yeah, was, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. It just needed some some boost. That's it. It did. I needed I needed some ego boost. That's all it was. <laughs> I mean. I mean, if I said to Nathan, are you the parking attendant? Like, that's Yeah. yeah. Are you, are you the pigeon? Yeah. Are you the marketing pigeon? No. Uh, well, he's the latte <laughs> lover. He's the latte lover. Hey, hey, hey. We can't say marketing pigeon. You don't want don't to get sacked. Oh, yeah. That's right. Shh. They'll hear us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. Anyway. Um, 
I don't know if Nick will cut out the last couple of minutes. I don't know if you care. But anyway, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. It's balmy Wednesday night. Um, it's Tuesday, mate. Fucking, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's call it. Uh, <laughs> no, my, 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 my brain has been a bit fucked this week. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. It's balmy Tuesday night. Um, let us know what you think. Are we good? Are we whack? Um, we'd love to know. Um, I already know the answer. I'm good. Don't know about the other boys. But uh, we'll catch you later. Um, have a good week. And uh, let's go Wallaroos, Wallabies, and whatever the Aussie Sevens team nickname is. Catch ya. But what did go wrong? I'll have to look look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo, very good, very good. <laughs>